All right, before we jump in here, I just want to quickly remind you to please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening on. That way you get a little notification whenever I drop a new episode. And if you're not already following me on Instagram at Living Breely, go do that right now because I will share some behind the scenes, some pre uh, podcast clips. So before things are released, I like to kind of share what we'll have on the, who we'll have on the podcast, what I'll be chatting about that week. And basically it's the easiest and best way to stay connected with me. And if you're interested in learning some more Pinterest tips, I have a little Pinterest freebie for you guys all about Pinterest keywords which if you're not familiar with Pinterest, I explain everything in my little Pinterest freebie. Freebie? Why can't I say that? Freebie, um, which I will include the link down below so you can go ahead and sign up and it will be automatically sent to you. So I just want to remind you to do those three little things. And if you want to get an extra star, an extra little bonus point if you can do me a favor and hit, uh, especially if you're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and leave me a five-star review. That would help out the podcast so much, and I would really, really appreciate it. All right, so I'm going to stop talking, and let's get into it. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Get Into It. It's me, it's Bree, and I'm back. And I have a bit of a different vibe of a podcast today, and I'm super excited. Um, as you guys know, I haven't really been like doing planned episodes or like really thought out, <laughs> like scripted podcast episodes, which I've been getting a lot of feedback on that you guys are loving them. So I'm so glad to hear that. And I was kind of at a stump this week where I was like, I literally don't know what to talk about. And I was messaging my friend Nicholas Lau and I'm probably saying his last name wrong, which is embarrassing because I've known him for so long. It's L-A-L. I don't know how to say that. <laughs> but I was messaging him and I was like, what do I, sh- what should I talk about? Like, what is, like, I'm try I'm kind of grasping at straws here. And I had just been having a conversation with someone and it was a networking call that like a friend of a friend was like, Hey, can you talk to my friend? And I was like, okay, sure. Like I'm always willing to kind of help out in that capacity. Like I'll jump on any call, like anytime. Like I love connecting and meeting new people. So I was really excited for this. And as I'm talking to this person, um, unfortunately, they were a bit of a Debbie Downer. And as I'm talking to this gentleman, not my friend Nicholas, as I'm talking to this gentleman, he has been, you know, an entrepreneur for like 20 years. And as I'm talking to him, he's like, you know, things used to be this way. And this is how we used to run things. And this should be working and it's not working. And oh, this and this. And basically, an out projecting outwardly that all of these things were wrong with the nature of business, you know, since the whole pandemic hit. And I'm listening to this guy go on and on and on about how things used to be in the good old days and just resisting the change so much. It was actually really difficult for me to get through that call. And 
you know, I kind of ended it in a way where I was like, I really think that the successful entrepreneurs are going to be the ones that innovate during this time. And so as I'm, you know, having this conversation, I'm like, I cannot wait to tell my friend Nicholas about this. And it's funny because I didn't even tell him about this conversation. Um, And it just kind of naturally, uh, we naturally kind of had this just uh, an idea of what to talk about for my podcast this week. And I'm so, so grateful. He's a very, very busy gentleman. Every time I message him, he's doing a webinar, a launch, helping someone. Like he keeps himself very productive, which I think is obviously one of the attributes of someone who is successful. And so I kind of briefly texted him like, hey, do you want to maybe perhaps make a cameo on my podcast this week? And I really want to do like a full on sit down interview with him one day. Um, so this was like very impromptu. Like I literally just called him and recorded the phone conversation. And I wanted you guys to hear like what our conversations sound like um, just chatting, kind of. I mean, he knew that I was recording it for the podcast, obviously, because I legally have to tell him I'm recording our conversation. But um, I wanted it to be just like natural, authentic, like what our conversations sound like. And I hope that it's really helpful for you guys. Um, for those of you who are either starting your entrepreneur entrepreneurial journey right now, or maybe you're 10, 15 years into it. Um, who knows? I think that this conversation is applicable to so many wherever you're at in the entrepreneur journey, I think that you will find this conversation helpful. I know even listening back to it, I was like, damn, this is good. (laughs) And I was very, I'm very excited um, to be able to share this conversation with you guys. If you have any questions or you want to reach out to Nick, definitely go ahead and look him up. I will include his link to his Facebook. I was going to say Instagram, his Facebook. um, So you can find him, chat with him. We we both, we mentioned in the podcast, like just that we want to be accessible to people right now and really be able to help and serve and be there to support people. Um, And that's one of the things that Nick really, Nick and myself really pride ourselves on is just being able to connect with an audience um, through conversation. Because it's one thing to put content out there, to put a podcast, to put up an Instagram post, but it's another to actu- another to actually engage um, with the people ingesting what you're putting out. So I am going to stop talking because Nicholas hates when I ramble. Um, so I we're gonna go ahead and just jump right in and I hope that you guys enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed my conversation with Nick all right I will talk to you guys next week be kind be well be grateful love you bye so um yeah, I mean, I guess we'll start with like that question of why did online business boom during the pandemic? Well, you know, the thing is, is that when the pandemic hit, there was a lot of businesses that weren't set up to handle something like this. I mean, what business really could anticipate something like this? There were a few uh, in the brick and mortar world that were actually prepared for this, not by design. Well, I guess you could say by design. So if you look at something like Sonic Drive-In, 
they had already got people to the idea of all you need to do is pull into a stall, we'll bring you your food, and you can eat in your car. And, you know, now it's even more, like, contactless. Like, when they bring you your food, they'll just put it on a tray. They won't even hand it to you. So um, in the brick-and-mortar world, uh, a lot of people were definitely hurting. Now, in the online world, it was a lot... It was more different because they were already in a situation where they already worked from home. But what happened is business boomed because people that work from home have to they have to do a lot of lead generation. They have to um, scour out the web. They have to you know put out a lot of marketing, social media in order to attract attention to them. What happened was during the pandemic, so many people got laid off, and now they're at home, and now they're on the computer more. So the visibility index went through the roof. Mm -hmm. And what happened was a lot of people were able to uh, reach out to those and say, listen, I know you're home right now. I know you might be on unemployment. I know you might be, um, you know, depending on a stimulus check. But I want you to take this time seriously. This is not the time to sit back and be complacent and say that, well, you know, things will eventually get better because we don't know that for a fact. And as the numbers started spiking, COVID started going up, I noticed that in my personal business, I had more people coming to me. Hey, Nick, I'm looking for an opportunity. Hey, Nick, I've got a friend that might be looking for an opportunity. I know you do online marketing and stuff. What exactly do you do? And then I was like, gosh, you know, it's like, what, what is it that I don't do? It's like, I do email marketing. I do email. Um, I do e-commerce. I do network marketing. I do even real estate. I mean, I even have a real estate model that I work from home. Like I've told you before, I do a little bit of a part locating so that's that one thing that you can use with your real estate license where you actually don't even have to go out and meet people it's just you know pointing people in the right direction and collecting a commission for being able to be somewhat of a middleman so i didn't really have an appreciation for what i did as a living until this pandemic hit and now i feel so blessed that i've been able to be home this entire time with multiple streams of revenue and all my streams of revenue actually grew through the pandemic and i mean like i said very blessed i think you probably feel the same way is that we were positioned very well for something that we weren't even expecting and you know could, could we have done better of course we can but compared to what the struggles of everybody else out there that they're facing at least we're in a position to help those people and say, listen, I'm here to teach you a skill set so you don't have to depend on anybody else. You don't have to depend on the government. You can create your own economy. You can create your own stimulus. Just you know, take this time while you're at home, focus on a skill set, and learn it as best as you can. And like I said, I do these consulting calls where I get on the call with people for 15 minutes, and I basically analyze their situation and I give them my overview of what I think that they'd be good at and see if it's a good match. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I definitely feel really grateful to be able to, like, have already adjusted to working at home um, and setting up that schedule of just, like, knowing kind of how my workday is going to be set up and everything. And, yeah, I definitely, you know, I released um, my Pinterest course literally like two weeks before the pandemic like the doors closed like two weeks before the pandemic like hit and everything got locked down so I was already planning on kind of taking a little bit of a hiatus a little bit of a break because as you were saying earlier like with your launch it's a lot of work like it's back-to-back calls and just like you know planning and just a lot of moving parts and so I was like okay like at least maybe this will give me you know it was only supposed to be two weeks originally. And 
it gave me just like an opportunity to kind of stop and slow down. But then as things continued, the quarantine got longer and longer. I was like, oh my gosh, like I feel really grateful that I have like my podcast and my business be and that I'm really in control of when I want to work and when I don't want to work type of thing. Um, because yeah, I understand that it is really difficult for people right now. And I do, I think I do agree with you that it's a, an amazing opportunity, you know, to have this time. Like if you've ever thought about starting even, I hate the word side hustle, but like that's the only way that I can frame it right now. But if you ever thought about starting a blog or starting a podcast or starting an online business, like now is the perfect time because you literally have so much time <laughs> to do that, to do, to invest in those things. Right, definitely. Like, um, speaking of side hustle, I can't remember the exact name of the course, but I, I, I had told you in the past, one of my local friends here, he's a software guy, and just for his audience, because he knew how, how affected they were by this, he released this course with like 50 different side hustles that you can start, and he was like selling it for five bucks just to help people out, and um, you know, those are the type of things that really help, and on another thing, you know, like when I was talking about my launch, I actually never planned to get back into network marketing again, it's just because it wasn't something something I wanted to do. I wanted to create my own brand. I had my own vision and stuff. But when this pandemic hit, it gave me such a paradigm shift in my head. It's like, wait a second. It's not about me. It's about other people. It's like, who can I actually help? Because not everybody has a lot of money to pay for one-on-one -on -one coaching like we do. There's other people that still need help. And I was like, well, you know what? I found a business model. It works. It's cost effective. Um, it teaches financial education. So I said, you know what? I, I talked to a few of my friends about it. I said, Guys, I know we're all doing our own separate thing. What do you say? During this pandemic, let's get together one last time, bring the band back together, and see how many people we can help. And in the last week, our network has expanded literally around the world. I've got teams building in Dubai, in the Philippines, in India, in uh, Australia. I mean, it's just it, it's amazing how many people were actually looking for something. And in the past, where I used to get a lot of resentment and a lot of reservation, now everybody's so open-minded because their situation has changed. One guy that I was working with, I mean, he was a, he was a janitor, and uh, he lost his job because the, the place is closed, right? right? And, you know, we got, we got him hooked up, and now he's making money again. And these are the things that make me happy when you can take a person that, you know, was just trying to get by, just trying to put food on the table for his family, and now you can bring a smile to his face. And they're like, wow, even during a bad time, there is open. Um, as I've mentioned before, Sir Richard Branson said that the most millionaires are created during a recession, and that's what we're in. We're in a pandemic and a recession, and the people that are innovators are the people that are going to succeed right now. So you want to try to lock arms with somebody that you have a lot of things in uh, common with. So, you know, for your audience out there that, you know, I always want to tell them that, you know, this is the type of, you know, you're the type of person that they need to work with because you're caring, you know, you bring a lot of value and you're accessible. There's a lot of people out there that put things into the world, but then they're not accessible. And what people need is somebody that they can actually lock arms with and that, you know, actually cares about their needs and their future. And you, you provide that a lot. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, and just to circle back to what you were saying about a lot of millionaires or just businesses in general start during a recession. Wasn't it, it's like, Uber started in 08. What was the other one? There was like a, there was a few others 
that started during the 08 recession that like now what Uber's worth like a billion dollars. <laughs> and then after Uber came Lyft, like there's all of and different rideshare programs and things like that. So they definitely set like a market trend, but I do agree. I think the most, the, the entrepreneurs or the business owners that are willing to adapt during this time are the ones that are going to be successful. And I, unfortunately, I, you know, one of the factors that are causing, I think, mom and pop, smaller brick and mortar businesses to permanently close is because they're not willing to do the online stuff. They're not willing to do, you know, if it's a restaurant, they don't want to do DoorDash and Uber Eats and all of these things. And me and my dad are actually just talking about this because he's like, well, they take a percentage of the sale. Like if you, you know, order a $12 lasagna, like they're, they might be taking 30%. I don't know what the exact percentage is. So the, the business is actually getting less. And I'm like, yeah, but in a time where like, it's either zero or something, like, wouldn't you rather get something than zero? You know what I mean? Like, if you, if you already have, like, if you're a restaurant, and you already have the, you know, um, food service providers, like, delivering orders to you, like, you want to use that up, like, you don't want to just sitting there. So it's not enough to just put like a little flyer in the mail anymore like there has to be other ways of marketing and other ways of people being able to order I think it's uh, you know we with Amazon with Uber Eats and DoorDash and all of these different ordering services like they've made it so easy for us to just order from there so these mom and pop shops they have to adapt to that or else they're not going to make it it's interesting. I went to an Indian restaurant a couple of days ago, and even though there was nobody there, and because, you know, you have to sit tables apart and everything, they had this little rack. It was like this little counter with uh, four little things where, you know, they put the bags of orders. One said Uber Eats, one said DoorDash, one said Grubhub, one said Postmate. That's a business that knew what was happening, and they adjusted very quickly, and they're making great money just with takeout orders because they're dealing with all four, four vendors, where some restaurants, they barely deal with one vendor. So, you know, like I said, it's all about adapting. And another thing, you know, I saw an article uh, today that said, you know, Jeff Bezos is now worth $200 million, the first $200 million, or $200 billion, man, sorry, billion. And it's because he he can adapt like no other. First of all, Amazon is already built on being obsessive about customer service. Mm-hmm. And I mean, th- their whole business model is about taking care of the customer. And what happened is during the pandemic, you know, people don't want to go shopping or their stores are raided or whatever. And he was the one that could still get people what they need within a few days. I mean, it, you know, at first it was a little bit tough. It wasn't two to three day shipping, but you know what? He, he still got the products to the people. And on top of that, you know, some people have said things in the past about, you know, maybe the, in the employees are not treated well there or whatever. But from what I understood, what I understood, they did a great job during the pandemic to save as many jobs as possible. They just, you know, changed around a few things. But, I mean, look at Amazon stocks and stuff have exploded after the pandemic. So there was a few business models that were absolutely prepared for this. But we don't always have to talk on a big scale. If we talk on a small scale, I've got a friend. His name's Adam. I might introduce you to him one day. His business model is to help single fathers. He's a single father. That's kind of his thing, okay? So he had released a course. I can't remember the name offhand, but the whole course was about helping local businesses. And what he did was he 
help people learn how to do Facebook ads specifically for restaurants to help them do birthday incentives because a lot of people don't know on Facebook ads you can target people by their birthday. So he would help these restaurants set up ads targeting people in the local area, you know, the, the area or the zip codes that they're around and make sure that maybe a month before their birthday they start seeing ads saying, you know, come in for your free birthday dinner. And this has been amazing during the pandemic because even though people can't always come inside the restaurant to eat they'll still honor that birthday thing for a takeout as long as you come in and you know just uh, show them a little proof that it's somebody's birthday then they'll still do it so um this is what i'm talking about about having to be innovative in a time of crisis and those are the people that are going to succeed there's no reason that anybody that doesn't have a laptop and an internet connection can't make money online you just have to figure out what you're good at as a matter of fact, it doesn't even need to be. It doesn't need to be digital marketing. My, I have friends that are hairdressers that are doing YouTube videos and doing tutorials about you know how to cut hair and stuff, and you know they're charging a little bit just to show people things. So I mean, it's it's a great time for innovation right now with all the chaos and stuff going on in the world. It's uh, it's so good to see this next level, you know, this next generation of innovation just booming before our eyes. So, are you suggesting that I start an OnlyFans? I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, are you suggesting that I start an OnlyFans account? Uh, if you want. <laughs> I can do feet pictures, I think, will be, will be my selling point. There you go. There you go. But, I mean, you know, honestly, I mean, if anybody that follows Brie Marie on her Instagram, she loves to cook and bake. I think if she made a recipe book, fly off the shelves okay that is first of all thank you um but that is an extreme I personal recipe books would never work because I don't like to follow exact recipes (laughs) (laughs) so it would be like I don't know half a tablespoon of garlic powder (laughs) it would be just like guesstimates like mm, I don't know I don't like I hate measuring things especially cooking but you you know what's cool right now with everybody home a lot of people are not eating out as much as they are cooking at home and I bet you all of the cooking channels on YouTube are getting like 10 times more hits than they usually get oh for sure yeah it's like you know what let me let me go ahead and try this recipe because I don't have to wake up for work and sit in traffic in the morning so I've got an extra hour tonight to learn this so like I'm saying, it's like we just have to make the best out of a bad situation. We don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know if the pandemic's going to go away in a month or a year. So we cannot just sit around and be complacent and wait for things to change. You have to be the change. You cannot wait for it. Right. And I think that's where that's where a lot of people might drop the ball is that they're waiting for something to happen. It's like you can't. It's like if you want to succeed in this world, you have to go out and make the change. And yeah. it took me a long it took me a long time to actually learn that. But like I said, you know, I just got tired of corporate America, and an opportunity presented itself. And I said, if I don't take this chance now to work for myself, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. And we we only have one life to live; it's very limited. You don't want to have any regrets. So you know, I mean, that was April of 2015. It's been five years now. It was the best decision I ever made. Is it always easy? Absolutely not. There's times where you know, you and I both know that you know our anxiety goes up and stuff. And you know, we need to go for a walk and everything. But you know, the thing is, is that the, the ability to work from home on your own terms, you can't beat it. There's no price that you can put on freedom. I will trade security for freedom every day of the week because with my freedom, I can create my own security. I don't need to depend on anybody for it. Right. And I think too, uh, get you know, 
with everything going on, it's really difficult. Like what I've learned with my content is that I can't put myself in a box. Like I don't want to just talk about Pinterest. I don't want to just, you know, talk about podcasting, even though that's obviously something I really love. But like, again, like going back to saying like, okay, yeah, I like to cook and I like to bake and sharing, I think more aspects of my life has actually been a really big turning point. Um, for just connecting better with my podcast listeners and with my audience on Instagram um, compared to, I think, before the pandemic where I was a little bit more reserved and didn't really want to share those things. Um, But then when I was like, I literally can't do anything else, um, it kind of, I guess, forced me in a way to like share those things and and get a a better connection with, with the people that were following my content. I mean, I just came up with a brilliant idea. You may not think so, but I'm just thinking, you know, somebody like you can actually write a story about how you survived during this crisis. And I would say you can call it pins and pods, how I survived the pandemic. What do you think? Yeah, that's a great <laughs> idea. Yeah. I mean, again, and like with, you know, this year, I really wanted to go 100% course space. Like I wanted to create so many different courses and I'm sure I will throughout this year and the following year. Um and I didn't want to take on one-on-one clients, but I get, it goes back again to what you were saying about it's, it's always about helping other people and especially helping smaller businesses. And so it's easier for me to do that working one-on-one with people and then being able, like the best feeling in the world for me is like when I wake up and I see one of my clients, like pins exploded overnight and they're getting like 22,000 new views to their website and I'm like god like I wonder what that like that is actually changing their business and then from from that you know hopefully they're good people and they're able to give back to their community or give back to their family so it's like you're making these small little ripple effects through shifting small businesses well, it all depends on, you know, somebody's mission statement, their motto, how you run your business, because it'll have a trickle-down effect. Like, for my business, my slogan is building my dreams by helping you build yours, okay? So, it's always like, if I put my people first, if I get them to where they want to go, I'll inevitably get to where I want to go as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I see. I can totally see that. I think it's just really important to always in business put the emphasis on other people like exactly I mean going macro again with Amazon like their customer service is like the main pivotal point of their business is the customer service that they provide and the two-day shipping and all and the you know being able to call and all of that I think is so valuable and I think the same goes for you know when you're working with small mom and pop like smaller businesses that maybe just haven't taken off yet. Um, you know, I, there's so much possibility. Um, and I know that the news and the media always wants to project like all of these things that are going horribly wrong in the world, but there's also, I think real opportunity if you can shift out of that mindset of like, again, the, the, the security and the comfort, um, and you want to trade that for freedom. Yeah. And um, Amazon is actually a great model to break down as a case study because Jeff Bezos made a conscious decision 
to be obsessive about the customers, even to you know the detriment of his vendors. I've been one of his vendors. It's not fun being one of his vendors because the customer is always right. Uh, whenever they have a refund, you're not. It's not even worth fighting it. Just refund the customer. So, but I mean, at the same time, so as a vendor, I didn't really like Amazon. As a customer, I, my my account literally says you've been a customer since 1999. I've enjoyed every minute of it. They, they've never Amazon as a customer has never given me any sort of hassles. Anytime I want to return something, just never a problem. If I even if I talk to them about something, it's like you know I'm going to go ahead and keep the product, but I just wanted to let you know what happened. No problem. I'm sorry that happened. Here's a ten dollar credit. You know I mean they, it, they're just so obsessive about their customers that we can all actually learn from that. I mean that's not to say that you should ever dog your vendors. I'm not saying that, but when you're a vendor for Amazon, you have to know going into that that the customers first you should just be happy to sell on their platform and get all that visibility and traffic but anytime something goes wrong don't argue with it because that is not their that's not their mantra their mantra is the customer first and if you can accept that then you can do great business there if you're going to argue with that you should go sell somewhere else right well i mean the same goes for like my courses and stuff i'm always like willing to give a refund or you know after obviously within reason um because I want people to feel safe and secure when spending their money, you know? And I think that's like what, again, I mean, kind of oxymoron of what we were just talking about of like Amazon creates that security that like, okay, I can buy something and if it doesn't work, I can return it. Like we would be way more hesitant to buy something if we knew we couldn't return it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the same true. goes and, for courses. Uh, and, um, and that's why like some people – like if you're doing Shopify, you have to go that extra mile to show people who you are. You have to tell your story. I think um, we, we've mentioned this um, in, in conversations we've had before is that with Shopify, storytelling is very important because they don't know who you are, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to have that about us section, who we are, what's our story, how we came about, so you can create a tribe. Because when you create a tribe, and guess what? They're going to start sharing your stuff. You give those people good customer service, you take care of them, they will spread the word. However, in the world of e-commerce, the neg negativity flies fast too. You give people a bad customer experience, they're going to file something with the Better Business Bureau, they're going to put something on Trustpilot and stuff, and very quickly, they can destroy your whole business model if you don't take care of the customer. So that's why, you know, it's like, look at the big customers, look at the big brands and see how they take care of their customer and then just do the same thing. It's not, all, you cannot be money driven. If you're going to be money driven, you will fail. You have to be customer driven because when you're customer driven, the money is just a byproduct of that. Right, right. But I also think a lot of people get into business because they want to make a lot of money, <laughs> um, which I totally understand. And I think, you know, when, like, I heard this really good quote one time, it's like, you can't tell someone who's broke or doesn't have money to stop obsessing over money. That's like trying to tell someone who's hungry to just stop being hungry, you know, like there are someone who's thirsty to just stop, you know, thinking about a glass of water. Like it doesn't work that way. So I think there's a really fine line or fine point of like, yes, you need to make money obviously to be able to survive and like wanting that amount of money is great. But there's a tipping point, I think, where you, ha you can't go so far over the edge where it's only about making more and more money. Like after a certain point, it needs to be about the customer. Well, I, I, I think a lot of people at some point when they're when they're living this lifestyle where money isn't an issue anymore they have the nice house they have the car they don't have any bills 
they have to be driven to do something else because at that point, what else is there? So they're looking for more challenges. So, mm-hmm. I mean, those are the type of people you want to uh, associate with. The ones, I mean, you, you look at somebody like, say, a Warren Buffett. I mean, totally well off. He doesn't need anything else. He is constantly looking for more opportunities. I mean, at his age, did he have to go, you know, start like Nebraska Furniture Mart? Probably not, but he liked it. He did it. He's still like, you know, investing in different like, uh, you know, oil and gas projects, railroad projects. He opens car dealerships all the time. He opens real estate offices all the time. This is a man that's very driven. However, He's very humble. The guy still lives in the same house in Omaha, Nebraska. This guy could be living in a beach house anywhere in the world, but he still has his humble roots. He just loves what he does. And when you're around somebody that loves what they do, you can learn so much from those people. Yeah, exactly. I think that's such – Warren Buffett is such a good example of, like, someone who just loves business. Like, and that's the thing, too, is I think a lot of entrepreneurs – And I mean, we could get into the whole solo entrepreneur versus entrepreneur thing, but I don't want to. But some entrepreneurs literally build businesses just to sell them and then start something new because they're like, I just really love building things. And like, that's kind of how I am. Like, I love the process of like learning a new skill or learning something and then mastering it and then moving on to something else. Um, which a lot of people do, but other people are like, no, like I just want to continue to build my business and like, that's it. So I will never sell my blog or like sell anything that I'm doing right now, but I can see myself down the line, like doing a product or something and just not really having it connected to me, but just to build a business because that's something that I genuinely like to do. Yeah, I have a friend that does that. He looks for small opportunities, small businesses. Like, I think he recently bought this like, SEO business to help people with search engine optimization and stuff. I think he only paid about $5,000 for that business, but he saw value in there. He's like, I, if I can add a few parts, I could probably turn this business around in 90 days and probably sell it for twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000, and it would be worth everything. Present. The thing is, is that why build it from scratch when some people have that foundation already set? They just need the right leadership and the right vision to take it to the next level. Right, which is like why you know sometimes with these tech things, like sometimes you don't need to, you don't need to know, you know, coding or like how to build apps or any of that. Like you can find someone who's already done that and just be like, hey, like I can help you market it. Like I can help you hire a team. I can help you with all of these different aspects of the business because we all have strengths. Like, and that's something I realized really early on, like with my podcast, when I was interviewing, you know, meditation and spiritual teachers, like that is their jam. Like that is what they are so great at, but they're not that great at the business side of things. And that's no offense to them. Like, you know, I'm not great at meditation and spiritual stuff all the time either. Um, And so being able to help them was like a really pivotal point of like, well, I actually really, really like business and like helping in that way, in that, in that capacity. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of goes back to uh, what one of my mentors told me. I mean, there's two different things here. First of all, I should, I should say that there's a lot of people out there that are very talented, especially in the IT and the software field. Mm-hmm. They're talented, but they're not always innovative. So they, like one of my friends, he had um, a Facebook prospecting school that he had uh, created. He had the vision. He knew exactly what he wanted. He hired the right development team, and now he has hundreds, if not thousands of people that subscribe and use this tool to help them with their Facebook prospecting. And, you know, the same thing. When you offer somebody an opportunity, sometimes people 
just don't want the opportunity. They like what they're doing. Like my, like my friend said, he's like, not everybody's going to be interested in what you do. And that's okay because we still need people to flip burgers and make fries and stuff. That's how it's like the circle of life, right? You can't have, everybody cannot be an entrepreneur. Some people just choose not to do that lifestyle. The same way with this, you know, the, the software that he created, the guy that made the software could have made the software himself and launched it, but that's not what he wants to do. He just wants to create. He wants people to tell him that, hey, I'm going to take an order. What do you want me to build? They build it. They're happy. They go on to the next project. Not right. everybody needs to be an entrepreneur. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, me and you are both single and we don't have kids. So if I was in any other circumstance, like I had a kid or I was married mm-hmm. and like wanted, you know, did the whole family route, probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. Because, yeah, you need the stable income. You need to be able to put, like, that security for your child and all of that. And like you were saying earlier, like, building a business is not an easy thing. It takes a lot of time and energy. Like, you're, that's, like, your main focus. If I had kids, I'd feel awful about, like, you know, not being able to, to deviate my time well. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, sometimes entrepreneurship isn't for everyone and that's totally fine um I know you are super busy today and I just already appreciate you so much like just chatting with me um if you to sort of wrap this up if you could tell anyone who's either thinking about starting a business right now or maybe they've started one but they're still kind of green what would you say to them well I would say that I'm the mentor. Uh, from the very start back in 2014, what I did was I seeked out a mentor. I didn't just buy a bunch of video courses and stuff and try to put it together myself. I did that in the past, and after failing, I realized, you know, I actually need somebody that's been in the trenches that is going where I want to go. Never take advice from somebody that's not where you want to be. If you want to be a millionaire, then don't talk to somebody that's not a millionaire. They're not going to take you there, right? So I would say that that would be the first thing. And when you look for a mentor... Look for a mentor that's actually willing to get on a quick call with you. And, you know, like I was saying earlier, I get on a call with people to kind of dissect their situation because I want to see if it's a good fit. Because if it's not a good fit, I don't want to waste their time, nor do I want to take their money because it's not fair. You know, you have to have some sort of chemistry. You have to have some sort of bond. And luckily for me, almost every coach that I've ever worked with or picked because I did my due diligence beforehand, they've always been like a really good fit for me, maybe with the exception of one or two. So that's what I'm saying. Put in the time, go on YouTube, go look at other people's videos, see who you want to, you know, associate with, not just on YouTube. There's different ways you can go on search engines, but that would be my number one thing is that if you really want to start an online business, find somebody who has a business model that appeals to you, reach out to them and see if you could actually get on a call with them because you don't want to start going to those mega millionaire gurus out there that you buy their product, but you have no access to them. I would never start there. I would start with somebody like Bree or myself that can actually guide you through this process not to say that we're not going to be millionaires one day but i'm just saying we're accessible right now so you know um, (laughs) yeah i think there's yeah reach out to somebody that actually cares about your future yeah i mean i think too like with when you see those guys with like the lamborghinis and the rolexes like first of all some of those are rented (laughs) (laughs) second of all like it's okay to want those things for sure but I would really do, like, again, dive into their story because they probably didn't get there in 90 days <laughs> or 30 days or whatever the um, their shtick is. But I really quickly want you to define the difference between a mentor and a coach because I think they're two very different things. Well, a mentor is almost like an 
accountability partner, like a friend, somebody that is actually guiding you through life, not just business. They almost become like a life coach, whereas a coach is a coach. Um, you know, like it, it, it's like I'm, I'm in high school. I want to play football. My coach is going to tell me what I need to do to make the team, what I need to do. But when that coach starts to become like a father figure and actually cares about your life, knows who your family is and stuff, that's when they actually become a mentor because they've actually taken time to accept you into their life and they actually want the best for you. Not that just not to say there's anything wrong with a coach, but you should really look for somebody that is a mentor, uh, somebody that can hold you accountable. And I already know that Brie is like that. I mean, Brie holds me accountable. <laughs> you know, <laughs> have you done this? Have you done that? It's like, okay. So, you know, that that's what you want to look for, somebody that actually has your best interest. Because one thing people need to understand is your success is our success. When we can help you to get to where you want to go, that's something we can talk about proudly. Because you know what? We can talk about ourselves as much as we want. That doesn't sell. What sells is when people know that I can help somebody else out because now they Mm -hmm. can put themselves in that person's position. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. All right. Well, thank you so much for chatting. No problem, Bree. It's been a pleasure.